Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Firm. I'm back. Uh, we're back. There was a little 4th of July vacation. We skipped one episode. Where was we I? We did on? not skip an episode. As a matter of fact, go check it out. If Al didn't obviously listen to it, because why would he listen to it? Because then he would be a narcissist. Uh, I actually gave a shout out to Mr. Al Gore and said, hey, he's on vacation. He deserves this. He deserves this vacation. He's working, working real hard. All the little Al Gore butt off. Right. And uh, it was the presentation we gave to the AIA of Las yes. Vegas. Nice, nice. So there was an episode, but we didn't have to. Uh, do I was it. just the main host. You're just the main host. First time, <laughs> main host. Thinking I'm about taking think over. Where I was on Friday, I don't know. Iowa? No, you don't no. drive through Iowa. Nebraska? No. What do you do? Nebraska? We are coming back. We are driving to uh, Mount Rushmore. That was a long drive. Oh, what did the kids think of the faces? Anything? They, they thought it was cool. So we stayed at a glamping tent area. Love it. <clears throat> where you could see it from there at night that's awesome um and then there was a thunderstorm that night so we got to be in the tent while it was raining and thunderstorming Sweet. and then they were so pooped out in the morning we just did a drive-by they would not get out of the car <laughs> huh. that was it then i wanted to go to um what's his name uh crazy horse yes have you see that. been in yep so someone um it wasn't open it was, it was COVID nonsense. No, or? no, it was 8 a.m. and they didn't open till like nine. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here for an hour. Oh, like, yeah. No, is, no, we've done the whole thing. Someone Marilyn t- wanted to see it when we, my wife, when we went to uh, one of the first family vacations we took up to North Dakota like five, six years ago. Yeah. Well, someone told me they have like the Incredible. best Native American museum with like artifacts and craziness. In 100% there too. because it's privately curated. There you go. So, um, so I'm, we're back. Lance is back. Al's back. We're all back. Let's do it. You know what could be important for your next project, Al? Uh, knowing how it goes together and specs and getting everything right on paper and figuring it out before you try to build it. In and the field. BIM is a huge component in that. BIM can be important <laughs> for your next project, but it's not the only thing you need for your next project. That's why it's important that 95% of manufacturers who offer free BIM files on ArcCat also offer another type of data that your project needs. That means that 95% of the products with BIM also have CAD files, are in specification, in a patented spec wizard, and or have product information to help you make the right selection, Al. So stop going to a site with just BIM. Go to rcat.com to get everything you need for your next project for free without registering. That's rcat, A-R-C-A-T.com. And start building better content today. No, so just to build on that, uh-huh. literally taking that ArtCat materials, putting it in your model. It's also very important to know how to model correctly. And one thing that is kind of like a, I want to say a duality is when learning anything is principles, because principles are ideas that you can apply to multiple situations. 100%. But it's 
an advanced concept and it's a beginner concept. And the reason why it's an advanced concept is because when you're learning anything, let's just say architecture, you're taught design in school for four years. Then you're taught, you know, then you get in the real world and then you're, you're taught code. And then after that, you learn something about construction and then you learn some more stuff. And then like you have to put all these pieces together because you were just learning it, you know, like piecemeal. So you can't develop principles until you've gone through all that experience, mm -hmm. right? But it's great if someone who has gone through that experience can boil it down to principles and let you know from the beginning. That's what we do at RevitRocketShip.com. Love it. We take the construction modeling approach and different principles so that you know how to tackle more unique uh, situations because you can't teach everything through these principles. So go to RevitRocketShip.com, check it out, check out the training. Um, if you don't like it, there's money back guaranteed. Obviously, you can't take forever um, and just milk it. But I think that, you know, try it out for a month, see which, see if you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we trust you. We trust you. We're trusting you. Yeah. Trusting you. So yep. Yep. go have a look. You know what you need to experience, Al? You need to come to my house and you need to experience a brand like Pella. But you also need to experience Pella Luxury. The collection of brands within the luxury division of Pella are the conversation starters, the pioneers of the industry who provide window and door solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. They have decades of experience creating things no one else is creating. If you don't believe me, go to Pella.com forward slash the firm and check it out. Then the collection of brands are brought together to complement and build on one another. They don't push the limits. They they set them. ExplorePellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm. Check those things out. I'm telling you, you will be blown away about the possibilities. So contemporary, but yet so warm, so residential, so commercial. The flexibility is there. Anything, basically anything you want to get done, right? You're going to set the limit working with Pella Luxury. So check those guys out today, Al. Cool. Uh, I've got a little... So Nick is not with us today for Nick Reads. Yeah. So I've got a little Lance Reads today. Okay, let's hear okay. it. Um, so this is a public Facebook post. And so that's why I'm, I'm okay with saying who posted it. Just so you know, if you post publicly, well, that's a public thing. Yeah. right? You're in the public domain. Um, there was a gentleman, um, his last name is Duffy though, in the Entree Architect group that, that posted this little a screenshot of uh, this two-paragraph rant about architects but the rant came from this fella named uh, Patrick Webb. And you can actually find that post. You can go to facebook.com forward slash real finishes. That's facebook.com forward slash real finishes. That's his public profile. And here's what he wrote on July 12th at 4.42 p.m. Quote, not, or so, quote, architects not long ago were among the most important stewards of human culture. The word literally means, quote, master craftsmen. And that's what they were. The master masons or carpenters who were given responsibility because they had mastered their craft and were willing to pass their tradition on to another generation. Hmm. What we call architects today are nothing of the sort. Looking at you, Al. Ooh, just kidding. right at me. Just kidding. They have no experience or interest in the craft and building whatsoever. What they know is that they're in charge. What they have done in the past 10 years is gut the cultural heritage of thousands of years, our rightful inheritance, master craftsmen, in a, that's an inclining tone, so like question, master craftsmen? No. <laughs> they are despoilers. Whoa. Barbarians. Whoa. Philistines. Whoa. Who ought to be stripped of their entitlement. 
let their profession perish mm. in disgrace from our gentle earth. I would argue that the earth is very earth is very harsh if you fish a lot. Oh. If you're an outdoorsman, outdoor outdoors outdoor woman. Oh my God, we got rained on yesterday. I took my daughter fishing, took the day off, most of the day off, and we got rained on for like a half hour. Thank God I had like a poncho to put her over. Like yeah. the harsh, the, the the earth is harsh. Anyway, it's rough out there. It is, dude. It is rough out there. Yeah. So. Even, even, sorry, going back to vacationing, <laughs> like when you vacation outside, you're like, man, I need to get back inside. This is a lot. Of I outside. came back with a Minnesota tan. Yeah. That's uh, a, <laughs> that's a catchphrase. <laughs> Spread it. I've oh, you got that Minnesota tan. I've heard it before. So back to Pat, back to Patrick Lake Webb tan. here. What? Lake tan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, back to Patrick Webb uh, and his little rant here about this. So what do you think of this, Al? Um, and it, I think there's a couple sentences that stuck out to me. I just kind of re- run a recant them real quick just to keep you fresh here. They have no experience or interest in craft and building whatsoever. I think I think that point is interesting. I think I'll let you maybe go on that. The other thing, to, to stick up for my fellow architects, I, the gist of it, I get what he's saying. It makes sense. But to stick up is I feel like a lot of it also comes from uh, the developer pushing an agenda and then the architect not having, this is a double-edged sword, knowledge, background to to make something good or great. I feel like, I actually feel like a lot of architects are really good at design. I feel where architects fail is when they take that pompous approach that, that we've seen, you know, firsthand where I know all, I you know, blah, blah, blah. When clearly you don't, like clearly one, one, like you, you can easily see like in those moments, but two, it's like, what, if you know construction or any industry deeply, like you tell me, you know, all about this industry. Come on. No, you don't. No, you don't. (laughs) Yesterday in the canoe with my daughter. So when we're in the canoe, we were in the canoe for seven hours yesterday. So you can imagine like, there's a lot of talking that goes on and like, I'll just let her talk and talk and talk. Mm-hmm. And then I'll insert my little red pills here and there. And mm-hmm. one of them that I gave her was, and, and then they stick because you can tell like I'm hit, I'm hitting her with information at the right time or my opinion. Yep. And then she'll just like turn back and like kind of like look at the mountains or the lake and just think about it. Yeah. One of them was lying. We were talking about lying. Yeah. And I go, <clears throat> I said, I think there's, she goes, why do people lie? And I go, I think there's two reasons why, why people lie. One, they don't want to get in trouble with somebody. They don't want to make somebody angry. They don't want to upset sure. it. And I said, number two, they're trying to impress people. Yes, absolutely. 100%. If anybody else thinks there's a third reason, probably there is or whatever. But like, uh, I think- To take advantage of people. But, but, but most people, I mean, impressing people is taking advantage of them in a social sense. There you go. So it kind of ties into that, right? Yeah. But like those two are probably kind of sum up the mo- most of it. Yeah. And I go, I go Kaya. The reason why she goes, well, have you ever lied? And I go, absolutely, I've lied. Everybody's lied. Like I would be lying if I said yeah. I hadn't lied. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm not going to try to impress you by saying I hadn't lied. Yeah. And then it shows a little bit of humility. I go, and then I said, she, I said, she said, well, people do people lie to you? And I said, I see, I see, I've seen more people lie to me in the last five years than in the first 33. And I said, and I think it's because I go, Kai, you got to remember. Your dad has a podcast. You're watching. You're listening right now. Mm-hmm. So th- tens of, you know, thousands of people are listening to what Al, Uncle Al, and and Dad have to say. Mm-hmm. Whether they whether they believe what we're saying, that's a whole different thing. Sure. But they're they are listening, right? And then we get people that ask us for advice and all of that. And I go, 
those people who are humble enough to come and ask us for advice, they're not liars. But the people, but the people who know what we do and where we started and where we came from and, and, and where we're at now, when they come in, I can just sense when they're lying and trying to puff themselves up when they don't need to do that to impress me. And I told her, I'm more impressed by people who have some sense of uh, humility mm. and admit that they don't know everything. For instance, up, upstairs a little bit ago, Ross and I were talking about whether we should do a monolithic, monolithic slab for this garage or, 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 or not. Mm. And he said, well, how do they do this in the south if they have to slope the slab? And I go, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Maybe they don't. Like, we don't know how they do it. Right. So, uh, if you, if you are oh, a person who, I get what you're saying. yeah, <laughs> sorry. If yeah. you are that person who says, I don't know, but I want to know. And I, and I want to know more about the craft and I want to know more about building. I highly recommend you go to architectsguide2.com today. That is the course that Alex and I put together to help take back this idea that we are not only architects, but master craftsmen. Because I do think there's a half truth to what this guy is saying. Now, there's a part of me that wants to also completely discredit what, what Patrick Webb has to say, because I always look at, like, I'd, experience, is, uh, experience is one thing, and people puff themselves up again, and they say, like, I've got, like, 40 years of experience here and all mm -hmm. of that. Well, is it bad experience? You know, we've talked about that before. Right. But, like, I look at this guy, and I go, okay, he's a former senior technical consultant. I don't even know what that means. He's a former professor of plaster working at the American College of Building Arts, former managing uh, partner at Foster Reeve Architectural Ornament Plaster. So this guy is a craftsman. So he obviously has his uh, bias in his own way because that's his lens is like right here. You know what I mean? And and so uh, it's kind of it's a little just in what he's saying. I'm sure he's been maybe frustrated with some other architects and everything. Well, probably telling him what how to do his own own job. Exactly. And and I think then. So let's dive into that because I think you need to get the experience. I think a great way to get experience is and, and kind of leapfrog is get that framework. And that's where you are plugging the course. And I wholeheartedly believing it, it's a hundred percent worth it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because then you can start to attach deeper knowledge to it. Right. And be able to understand where everyone's coming about because we talked about white collar, blue collar, in, in that course and, and, and different tactics and things like that. Because I'm sure, let's say you are this uh, master, what is he, uh, uh, plaster guy, right? Yeah. There's a difference between me explaining, hey, here's the vision. I don't think we're hitting the vision. Uh, the client has a different aesthetic. Could, could you make it more like something like this? Versus coming in and being and saying like, why are you doing it like that? Like instantly questioning. That, you know, like, that's not like trying to go at the, at that person from this higher level of, of knowledge or, or not even knowledge, just uh, higher level in the organizational chart, rather than knowing that like in his, everyone that's good in their task are, are almost equal, even though a task of a plaster worker is maybe one hundredth of a project mm -hmm. or one tenth mm -hmm. but still in that craft he might be the best person in that craft so yeah. like you're talking same thing with a framer electrician like they might be the best electrician out there and then you're you know pretending that they're not once you hopefully you, 
a lot of you will at least entertain the idea of taking the course. I think it's super helpful. We've gotten so much positive feedback about it. Um, but once you do, and let's say you are actually out there managing the construction of these projects, or maybe you don't take the course and you're still doing CA. I, one of the best, uh, one segment I cut out today that I wanted to talk about was language, but so I'll kind of tease it and I want to talk about it on the next episode. And like language matters. Like I, I am, I'm, I'm so of the opinion that like the, the way uh, certain things, the way you put them and say them make a giant difference. You, whether you can be off-putting or or let somebody into the conversation or like keep the conversation going. So if you're talking to a subcontractor, one of the questions I always ask them is I go, well, how do you want to do it? How do you, how do you want to do it? And then we work it out. Yeah. And we talk about how, how what's the best approach to it. Even with our in-house carpenters, how do you want to do it? What's the best way? And I was even telling my dad this when he was down two weeks ago. Uh, to help the guys out do some flat work and teach them how to do some flat work on the interior of this commercial project we're doing. And we were, we were, we were talking about it and I go, look, here's my approach to the guys. I go, cause he was like complaining about the way he, he was suggesting to do something. He was just observing like the interactions between them. And I go, here's what I do. I go on site and I say, look, here's how, here's how I think we should do it guys. Here's how I, sorry. Here's how I would do it guys. However, that's my way of doing it. This is, this is the way I've learned to do it. This is the way I think is the best to do it. If, if I say, just try my way and see how you like it. If you don't like it, I'm open to your way. Right. If you find a more efficient way, that is 100% okay. Yep. And then you're kind of bookending the whole thing. Well, exactly. Because I think first you have to set the standard. <clears throat> because then if they do it a different way, then you can judge it against that standard. Was that better or worse? Was that slower? Was that uh, shittier quality? Or was it better quality, but a little bit slower? Okay, let's make a judgment call, right? Um, or was it a lot quicker and worse quality? Okay, maybe not. Slightly better, slightly better quality. Hey, you you did it better than me. Awesome. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Yep. 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 So anyway, check that out. If uh, I'm on a Facebook ban, so I can't comment <laughs> and the link to this podcast, but if somebody would be... If somebody would be a hero, and once we do publish it, if they would go to facebook.com forward slash real finishes and post a link to this podcast where we actually bring up this post and talk about it, I would, I would, you'd be my hero. You'll be my hero. Uh, don't do anything mean. I'm just saying, I think it's, I think it's good feedback, especially because it's public. If it was just not public, well, then that's totally different. But if you're putting yourself out there in the public, it's fair game. Uh, okay. Well, I, I, he's not completely wrong either. He's not completely wrong. We even said it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's something to learn from his comments. Yeah. Uh, okay. I got a really cool email. I think it was like on Saturday. Some of the, my favorite parts about, uh, how we have marketed our firm, Al, mm -hmm. is how digital, the digital, the work we put in to create, uh, a digital presence on Thumbtack on the the website um with this podcast a bunch of different ways right and so one of my favorite things is like i will get home literally this was like on on saturday so i got home from fishing and i got back in service like i'm out of service wherever i fish i'm up in the mountains so i get back and my phone will blow up and one of the emails i checked was it goes somebody somebody booked a 15 minute meeting with me to talk about an addition yeah and i'm like i've never even heard of this person so then I replied on Monday and asked them, hey, how did you hear about us? And they go, oh, it's just on your, you could just, book, we could just book a meeting with you on your Google business link. I was like, 
Well, that paid off. So I want to actually, I'm going to hit record here. I'm on my screen. And if you guys aren't using Calendly, first of all, we'd love to have them as a sponsor, this podcast. If anybody knows a Calendly uh, rep over there. Um, but secondly, if you aren't using Calendly to manage how people can book you for various things, we use it to book the podcast. We use it to book in-person meetings, out-person meetings, um, web meetings, obviously, like I'm about to talk about, all kinds of stuff. And so what's really cool is if you use uh, if you have a Google business listing, you can actually go into, you log in, and I'm sharing my screen here, you can log in to your Google business listing, go to info, click on info, and then scroll down, and then you go down to right here where it's appointment links, and you can actually put in your link through the Calendly app, it, it'll come from the Calendly app, um, the web browsing, whatever, and then people can find you and book you on there like that. Some people might not like that. I totally get it. Maybe you don't want to have people to have that kind of instant access to you. Um, but it paid off dividends for me. It was like, think about how cheap that marketing is. That is insanely cheap marketing. Well, can it be any cheaper than that? No. What's great about it too is about once a week on Monday, I show up because people do it all the weekend. And I look at my calendar and I see an email. It's like, oh, I got an appointment. From some random person. And then I'll come downstairs and I'll be like, and he'll be, he'll just finish his meeting. And I'll go, who are you meeting with? And he goes, oh, somebody booked over the weekend. Yeah. Oh, cool. Great. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Playing with the kids. People are booking meetings. Yeah. Awesomeness. Yeah. Uh, man, this is just the Lance episode, isn't it? It is. It, yeah. Oh, wait, wait. No, no, no. I'm next. No, I'm next. Oh, okay. okay. This is the Lance episode. So the title of this episode is called How to Avoid a Lawsuit. Um, and what I wanted to talk about, and now I'm actually going to pause my screen here cause I'm not going to show, uh, I'm not going to show a, this email interaction, but I will read it from you and I'm not going to name names. So <clears throat> there's going to be a time, everybody has errors and omissions insurance because uh, that no drawing is perfect. There might be an error. Somebody maybe forgot to change the text from one drawing to another, Hopefully you're using uh, BIM and you went to RevitRocketShip.com and you figured all that out and then you've, you're solving the problems trying to eliminate human error. However, then there's also omissions like th today. Uh, we got an email. This is not the email I'm reading, but we got an email from a client and he said, hey, I, I don't see any headers on this drawing. And I go, oh, crap, we missed those. So we quickly found them, put them in there, solved the problem. Something like that is going to happen. No one is perfect. Sure. Yeah. Zero people are perfect. Yep. Uh so I got this email, this was maybe like two weeks ago, and it, it some, goes something like this. Um, Hi, Alex, not you. Gosh. Thank you for the suggestions. However, or thank you for the suggestions. Unfortunately, due to the error in the drawings designed by F9 on page blah, 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 we anticipate an additional cost of $2,500 to, to remove and replace the failing header. We will also have a delay due to the work necessary to make this repair. We would like to get your thoughts on how to proceed here, given the additional costs and delays are due directly to an error in the drawings. Then there was some in, there was some internal discussion between me and uh, one of our associates, and what we found was um, we kind of first of all I think the, the rule of thumb is you don't re immediately respond to this. I think you need to do the twenty four hour thing if possible, if possible, uh, and then you need to see were you right in any instances. We found that we had it. We had the detail correct three out of the four times. It was the one detail that was wrong. So, like there was there was four instances of us calling out this beam. Yeah. Only one had it incorrectly called, and it was literally because we didn't tag it. We didn't use BIM. Ah. Uh, 
So here's the way I responded. And sorry. So um, everyone might not know, but we know that there's a Monday morning people problems, lessons learned. Did someone tell the whole group this while I was gone? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yep. Great. We went over this with the two second lean and mean. the problem. Yeah. So I responded and I said, good morning. The tone of this email implies a direction I don't think either company wants to head down. It is very easy to sour a business relationship and kill any future collaborations between folks, and we are at the edge of the cliff with this tone. We have been more than accommodating on answering all of your guys' questions during the construction phase and are happy to help troubleshoot. One thing we'd like to note is that three of the four details regarding the scheme were correct as follows. Then I listed them. Therefore, both companies can either take extreme ownership Mm. of the miss or we can start the blame game and never get to a swift solution we'd be happy to propose some other engineering solutions that might help avoid a delay and reduce the cost of the solution we don't pay for other people's buildings but do pay for the design and drafting solutions when there is an error or mistake on the drawings no drawing no drawings or existing structures are perfect let us know how you'd like to proceed yeah because i like that you found three out of the four because it means that like they the other company willfully not not willfully just didn't see didn't see the other and see the conflict and bring up the conflict before they installed it yeah that would have been ideally what happened yeah and then and then nothing would have nothing would have really happened yeah. right so they replied thanks for the quick response on this we understand issues come up and how and and how we deal with them sets the tones for work for future work and projects uh on this we would like to work out a design remedy that does not involve adding a columns as that was the intent of the homeowner, uh, and ideally do this in the way it does not require us to remove what is in place. Are you willing to provide a design change that fits a criteria without additional cost for the design? This is what my autism just went through the roof. Uh, our goal uh, to work together on this and keeping costs down is paramount. Please let me know your thoughts on this because they failed to read where I said, we'd be happy to propose some other engineering solutions that might help to avoid a cost or delay. But do you know why they did that? Why? So that they could have a win. That's fair. That's why. That's fair. Yep. Which is fair. Like people need, it's that whole ego. <sighs> there you go. Everyone has it. So. Are you aware? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, so then I responded, uh, thanks for the quick response to this. We understand issues come up and how we deal with them. Said, okay, blah, blah, blah. So actually I said, responses in blue below. I copied and pasted his last email and then I said, per my last email, and then I put in blue, we don't pay for other buildings, blah, 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 blah. And then I said, does that clarify it? And answer. And then he said received. So yes, you're right. It was that is a perfect example of like they needed to win. Yes. Everybody's got to get their little bam bam. Yes. So you because we're talking to the listeners, you you should have just said you should have I couldn't do it. You, you, that's fine if you couldn't, <laughs> but I'm telling other people. Yes. You should have just said, Bob, you know, like whatever. Yes, we will do that. Blah blah blah. Like take the tension yes. out of it. We're on it. Yes, yep. exactly. Anyway, so then we proceeded with uh, finding a solution that was very, that was easy to do. We just, we, we did, we, uh, um, me and an associate worked together. We, we did the calculations. It was a piece of cake. Everything was fine. Yeah. Everything was fine. But feel free to stand up for yourself in the right way. That's how you avoid getting down a very, very disgusting path that nobody really wants to go down. Like some people do, and those are the worst people on earth, and they're usually politicians, but. Yeah. <laughs> or they become politicians, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, Lance, cool. Lance's episode is over. Lance done. <laughs> well, you might, maybe you'll come back in. I might. Especially this one. Lumber prices are way down. Um, are they? 
Yes. So this is a Wall Street Journal article. Mm -hmm. uh, the futures are at... Uh, this was on Wednesday. Obviously, it changes day to day. But 521 per thousand uh, board feet. Rather... Holy cow. Than down 70% from a high of 1,700. So it's down a thousand dollars per twelve hundred dollars yep roughly twelve hundred dollars down seventy percent that is insane can, Al Gore. can you record this so and and put it up okay well I, let me let me let me do that again there yeah so 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 lance, lance will uh put these in the youtubes and all that so you can see the graph and all that <clears throat> the next thing though is they ask kb home chief um if they were going to lower housing prices or just take margins and I love that. I love that for a, a phrase because you know what that means. Yeah. Like just take the money. Right. Like, <laughs> right. It's going to take the money. It's interesting. Um, man, it's tough. I know people make, I know people think developers, the general public thinks developers are making money hand over fist and some of them are, but like uh, some of them aren't, some of them are squeaking by. It is what it is. So that's an interesting well, uh, well, process. I, I, I had the same thought as you. Here's his answer. It will depend on the competitive landscape in each city, but our hope and expectation, our hope and expectations <coughs> is we will take it to margin, meaning we'll take it to profit, right? So I was like, oh, that's kind of gross. Reinforces giving a developer a bad name, right? But what he said, it will depend on the competitive landscape in each city. Yep. Meaning that if you don't have a market with competition, people will be able to take profits however they want mm -hmm. and one thing that a lot of people that listen that are architects and planners know is that hey it is hard extremely hard to get a project through a city through the development process through the building department and and ready to go and it's normally the planning department right that takes so long listen to listen to this <clears throat> though why he's saying that so to defend developers for a little bit is like sometimes you make very low margins and then sometimes you have to take margins when you can to make up for that, right? And I'm sure because there's plenty of financial people like this, if they could take margins all the time and rip people off all the time, they would. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed, right? So <clears throat> a lot of this housing prices where the wood went up to 1200 a bore foot, right? 300% more. Uh, 1700 1700 Thank you. I see what you. you mean. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yep. Yep. Either way. Um, killed multifamily projects. Yep, destroyed them. And why killed multifamily projects versus it didn't kill the home building as much? Think about um, the feedback loop. When you do a multifamily project, you order half a million dollars worth of lumber, which yep. just turned into $1.5 million worth of lumber. Yeah. Scale, multifamily scale projects hit, hit the bricks and hit said, skids, yep, yep get, okay. So that lumber prices did that. What did that do to competition? Oh, killed the competition, right? Killed the competition. So no competing. It's all at that point, maybe down to single family homes. So interesting. Single families, but also think about this. In one city, you might only have one multifamily project going on rather than three, four, or five. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, who gets to take margins? That person that has one because there's no competition. Why also do they get to take margins? Because maybe they bought lumber <laughs> at that huge amount. And now we're screwed. But think about single family home. You still got to do a lot of that stuff. But the main money in developing is buying all the construction materials and paying for everyone. Single family homes, a lot of times, are you buy the lot 
you pick the the thing, then they build it, mm-hmm. right? So it's a quicker feedback loop. So they continued. Yeah. And here's what like. They can have more competition because just having the land ready and just having people, oh, I'll go to this developer in this neighborhood or this developer in this neighborhood and this, all of a sudden you have to keep things a little bit more competitive than the, actually it's not even competitive. It goes down to cost. It's Mm -hmm. not, so competitive at one point, why do multifamily projects cost more than single family projects? My house costs less than a new two or three bedroom multifamily thing that I would own in Denver. And one of it has to go to think about the feedback loop. They're playing this huge, massive feedback loop first. Oh, and, and, and they have to build it all. They're not all sold out, right? At all. So um, there's you know high interest rates. There's all this risk involved. People that are giving money in want more return versus, oh yeah, we're building a bunch of lots. And then one, one, one person says they want to build a lot. Then we get a loan for all that materials once they've already committed, once they already, we know that they can pay for a mortgage. Like that just shrinks the risk down yeah. huge, huge. There's still that planning phase, but that planning phase is still land. You're not buying a million dollars worth of lumber with one button. You're buying it for one house, one house, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it, it was an interesting revelation, another piece of the puzzle, because it, it, it often didn't make sense to me that a smaller with less amenities, things cost more than building out in the suburbs. Well, yeah, I think that was a great breakdown. And I, I think that's what headlines miss, right? Is that breakdown. And, and the general public is just, you know, we're, I think the last study that was done is like the goldfish had an attention span of seven seconds. And now we're below that as humans because of social media. Yep. So thinking a little bit deeper, I think is super important. And you're so timely, Al, because I have a meeting. I have a budget meeting with a client, uh, let's see here, in about three hours. And the last I met with them, futures were down to 500, futures were at like $750 per thousand board feet. Now they're at 521, I think they'll like that good news. Nice. I would rather not redesign their addition. I'd rather just build it as we have it. I think it's a good addition. Uh, I'm gonna try to talk them into just waiting. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, do I think you guys, if, if you guys can just wait, mm-hmm until quarter one of next year a we if we could just if we could plan on building your project in quarter one of next year that that's then we're booked out until quarter two of next year literally if, if we get uh, this other tiny house project that we're working on yeah um, and that big house that you're working on yeah um so good timing out uh just you don't have to name names or anything but uh, have you gotten any feedback from them Yes, they will have a... So we we submitted a really cool um, concept concept and packet to them on Monday? Yeah. No, no, Tuesday. And so it's Friday today. Next week, next Tuesday, they're going to make a final decision. Okay. And um, we'll Let see. us know. Cool. We'll see. They love, they love what we're putting together. What do we got next, Al? ARE Jeopardy. Let's bring down the crew. Bring them down. Okay, question number one. Include all that in, <laughs> in the video. Yep. Okay. Question number one. A uh, contract indicates the completion time for a project is 465 calendar days, including 45 days for weather. Extremely bad weather delayed construction by 65 days. The contractor has requested an extension in the number 
of contract days due to extremely bad weather. I was told the earth is gentle. Oh, you were. That's a callback. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, do you A, tell the contractor tough shit? B, ask the contractor <laughs> to accelerate the construction schedule? C, request additional funds from the developer to accelerate the construction schedule? D, extend the contract by 20 days via change order? What do you do? Wow. I know what I would do. Tough shit. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Okay, ready? D, C, B, D. The answer is D. Um, They cannot control extreme bad weather. It is out of their scope. There's nothing they can do about it. Extend it by. I really like how Bailey is writing them on one post-it, Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) I'm torn. Sustainability chair? Ruling? Yeah, ruling by the chair. Question two. What is an appropriate... Alternative to parapets for fire separation on, on the roof of townhomes. Want me to read that again? Yes, thank you. <laughs> what is an appropriate alternative to parapets for fire separation on roof townhomes? Good, good question. Is it A, sprinklers? Is it B, concrete pavers? Is it D, sorry, C, EPDM? Or D, fire retardant treated wood sheathing? Architects should get this. Lance doesn't know. That's okay. (laughs) Take a stamp later. (laughs) (laughs) This building will fall down. Yeah. I stamp this building. Yeah. (laughs) Are you ready? Show them. D, B. The correct answer is D. It is the um, fire retardant treated wood sheathing. I didn't look up if it's four feet or five foot, like what it has to be pass. If you have a parapet, you don't need it. Is it four? Okay, we're getting some confirmation four, but check your local codes uh, or your international billing codes. Yeah. So it's th- small intermission here. I have a suggestion for the sustainability chair. What if we made uh, laminated cards and they had A, B, C, D, E on them and we gave them to oh. each of the contestants from now on? And you just hold them up? You're in charge. Yeah. <laughs> Pro copy. <laughs> Pro copy. <laughs> That's also good. You're Either way, you're in charge. It's not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, battle. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, okay. In two weeks, this must be done. Yep. Whatever solution. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That's the responsibility of a chair. If you didn't want the title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, number three. What is the minimum clearance needed to provide access to a sewer cleanout in a floor? Is it A, 30 inches, B, 20 inches, C, 6 inches, D, there is no specified minimum clearance? Yeah. Three for a loop there, didn't I? Whoa. The, just the answers? Okay. A, 30 inches, B, 20 inches, C, 6 inches, D, there is no specified minimum clearance. Hmm. I, wanna, I looked this up I because say it's two a field condition that we had to address. Real interesting. Yeah. What did you say? I want to say two answers. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Let's 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 see them. We got A, B, B, and A. The correct Al. Do you want to guess? A. If not, then D. The correct answer is D. There is no specified minimum clearance. All it says in the plumbing code is provide access. 
Interesting, right? Mm. So I think what would ultimately dictate that. So we actually asked the plumber like what we should do, and he told us. He goes, just provide me a 24-inch space by 24-inch space, and you can get access doors that are 24 inches by 24 inches. And he goes, that'll be enough for them to get their machine in there. Yeah. But there is no specified minimum clearance. Pretty weird, huh? Uh, and once we visit that job site next Friday, I'll show you guys what we're talking about because I think it'd be helpful. We have five uh, hard hats. I just counted. So, so we could DOG. How many people do we have? We have like a lot of people here. Oh, I see. But they could borrow. Here, here's, here's the... T- the so the <laughs> we'll talk about that off air. Okay? Well, off air. All right. Number four. If you, re- you receive an RFI from the general contractor asking for permission to dowel in a new four-inch concrete slab on grade into a foundation wall and to specify the dowels and their spacing. Choose the best answer. A, engage the structural engineer and ask them to respond to the RFI. B, match the steel reinforcing of the new slab and ask them to dowel in four inches into the wall. C, doweling into slabs into a foundation wall is not recommended as the slab should be independent of the foundation walls. D, none of the above. Awesome. (laughs) We've never used that. Awesome. Good luck. Good luck to all of you. <laughs> Do you need them again, Tyler? Yeah. Okay. Uh. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. A, engage your structural engineer and ask them to respond to the RFI. B, match the steel reinforcing of the new slab and ask them to dowel in four inches into the wall. C, doweling in slabs into a foundation wall is not recommended as the slab should be independent of the foundation walls. D, none of the above. Man, this is ARE because so there's there's two correct answers. That, yep. I feel like I could write for Andy Carver. Yeah. C, uh, A, D, uh, B. The correct answer is uh, C. Dowling in slabs into a foundation wall is not recommended as a slab. Exactly. Choose the best answer. Yeah. <laughs> should not be in. Should be independent of the foundation walls. That's a. That's just a. I don't know where. I think it was in the 80s or 90s where they started thinking we needed to dowel in slabs, but don't do that. Literally got that RFI this weekend, uh, this week, and I, you know the client. So there you go. That's it. Wrap us up. Take us out of here. We got a lunch date to meet. Uh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry. Who, 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 Jeez. Wow. Congratulations. Three. One. Okay. Oh, okay. Where are we going to eat? Starf. Hey, good pick. Awesome. Okay, if you like this episode, please leave us a five star review on the on the iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, any of those places. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that like and subscribe uh, button and also leave us a comment. We'll see you next week.